Would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 7? Exodus 20, verse 7. I'm going to refer a minute to Psalm 19, and I encourage you to take a bulletin out. In your bulletin, you have an outline in the back to help you and guide you. we got a lot of ringing here on my mic here. Okay. Brothers and sisters, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Father, I pray that you'd help me. Would you help your people this morning? People that we would call upon your name. And we revere your name and love your name. In Jesus' name, amen. See, names. What is in a name? Uh, man, I, I remember the joy of thinking about names for our kids one at a time. Remember when... We were expecting our first, and we figured out if it is a girl, and we waited to the last moment to find out, like, when she came out, Grace Elizabeth, named after Molly's dear grandmother. We just loved the name, and we loved Grandma, and we loved all of that. Grace Elizabeth Pats. And then our first son, Paul, after my grandfather, a very special man in my life, gave him two middle names, Stephen he was in the New Testament, a martyr, and Lewis, meaning L-E-W-I-S, as in C.S. Lewis, one of my heroes and favorite authors. That is a significant name. And then Elijah and James Edwards, Jonathan Edwards, and Barnabas, John Calvin, and Mary Noel. Noel means Christmas, so Merry Christmas. And she was born in December. <laughs> and she was born in December, and it just worked out. What's in a name? It's, it's fun. It's great. Oh, the name Molly. Ah, when I hear that name, my heart beats with joy. But not so much with names like Judas or Hitler or Saddam. What's in a name? I remember about 18 years ago, moving to a town named Wyoming, Minnesota, and they said, How are you doing, Pastor? I looked around and said, who's he talking to? He was talking to me. My name, my title, called me Pastor. I remember that strange feeling, and I remember with that name came a responsibility, a calling that God had called me to, to live out. If you look with me at verse 7 of Exodus 20, we come to the third commandment of which it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I mean, you might 
get to this verse and go, okay, I understand chapter one, our verse, first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Whew, that's pretty tough because we have idols, all of that. That's pretty heavy stuff. Second commandment, as you started to dig in, you realize God cares about how we worship him. We no use of images of any kind, but in reality, the principle is much deeper than that. His word is to drive everything. Now you get to thir the third command. You might say, oh, is that just a good reminder? Make sure I don't swear. Make sure I don't use certain words and say, oh, my God, or Jesus Christ in a vain way. Now, I would say it includes that, perhaps. I would say probably most definitely. But it's so much more. I pray that God would make this third commandment to our hearts really good news. Go, what? Good news? It's, it's, it's saying if I take his name in vain, he'll not hold me guiltless. How's that good news? I pray that we will knock on these commandments. We will seek the, these commandments. We will ask and dig into behind the scenes, understand the depth of what these commandments really mean. And in so doing, reap, find the answer, have the door open to our hearts and our lives. The greatness, the goodness, the beauty of God and his mark upon our lives. And so to do this, to, to spend just a few minutes asking the question, what does the third commandment really mean for me today, for you as a two foundational truths that are, un, I mean, they're the underpinning to this, to make this command make sense to us. So that then we're going to look at two ways to apply it, both what it forbids and then what it assumes that we must bring in this commandment. So two foundational truths. Number one, I want you to hear this. The name of God is infinitely glorious. Davis, he led in our worship, proclaimed from the psalmist his name. We sang of his name. And oh, brothers and sisters, and if you're here and you are not part of a church in any kind, and maybe you're not a believer, we invite you to know what this name is. And I want to call, declare his name to you this morning with the hope that you will find salvation in his name. The name of God is glorious. It's infinitely glorious. I can't put adjectives enough. Infinitely glorious is not good enough. I, I, just, I want you to just ponder his name and what it means. We, we see in the commandment that I just read, you shall not take the name, now what it says, the Lord. It's in all capital letters, L-O-R-D, all capital letters. That means, whenever you see that in the Old Testament, it means the word Yahweh. Yahweh, which I'll mention that in a minute. But that's God's covenant name for Israel. Your God, Yahweh or the Lord, he's your God. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We saw at the beginning of this commandment, he says, I am Yahweh, the Lord, verse 2. Your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I'm a saving God. I'm a rescuing God. And I am Yahweh, your covenant God. And I am your God. I want to I take you through some portions of Scripture that are really important to understand this. For us to even understand, where we, how do we apply this today? Exodus 3. If you were to turn back to Exodus 3 in verses 
13 and 14, Moses is baffled because there's a burning bush. And God tells him, you're going to go and you're going to deliver my people out of Egypt. And Moses is like, what? I'm going to go to Pharaoh and then I'm going to go to the people of Israel. How's this going to work? And then Moses asks God, he says, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers sent me and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say that to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. You see what he was saying here is this is where you actually probably get the word Yahweh, which the the Hebrew letters actually have to do with to be, very possibly. And so therefore God is revealing, he's saying, I am the the one that always was. I never had a beginning. I never have an end. I always am. I'm the all-sufficient one. There is no one like me. All the gods of the nations, they're nothing. I am sent you, and I want you to start to understand who this is. That's who sent you, Yahweh. So then, he gives the Ten Commandments, and then we get to chapter 33. And in chapter 33 of Exodus, Moses is up on a mountain And fire is coming down, and he longs to see God's glory. And in the beautiful passage of verse 18 and 19, Moses said, God, would you please show me your glory? And he said, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. That's what he said. He said, my glory, my goodness will pass before you. You want to see my glory? I will proclaim to you my my name. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will be for. Brothers and sisters, this is a passage that's worth you underlining, marking. This is a key part in the Old Testament. This is like one of those, I mean, it should pop out of your Bible because this helps you make sense of other things in the Bible. Exodus 34, 5. So how is God going to proclaim his name and show his glory? What's in a name? You see, God was showing himself by speaking his name. And this is how he does it. In verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him, that's Moses there, and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God most gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. He's going to visit the iniquity of fathers on the children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. Right here, we find the riddle of the Old Testament. The riddle of the Old Testament is God's name is proclaimed and he says, I am merciful and glorious. I am gracious. And by the way, you need to know that I also will by no means clear the guilty. Huh? How can that be? How can you be forgiving and merciful and never clear the guilty? And we're left hanging there. And then he gives us the law and we see some places where you are atoned for your sin. And it's going to all come together as we hit Jesus and we come to Jesus in the New Testament. His name, the Lord, 
Do you remember last week in the sermon when I came to Deuteronomy 4? And it said this, I'll remind you. He said, the Lord is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. That's part of who his name is. You want to know who he is? My name is Jealous God. And verse, just five verses later, seven verses later, my name, you want to know my name? I'm a merciful God. Both. And we read through the rest of the, if you were to carefully read, just if you take the, a computer and find a Bible, you can find a lot of websites with the Bible on there that you can do a word search and you could put my name and you'd find a bunch of passages on my name or the name of the Lord. And you could find it and you'd start going, man, I'm not sure what this means, but the name of God may, means a lot. So much so that God intended to drill this into the minds and the hearts of his people. Here's some instructions regarding his name. Leviticus 19.2, 12. He says, you shall not swear by my name falsely. And so profane or make belittling or common the name of, the, of your God. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. What he's saying is, you shall not make, you should not swear and make a promise falsely. Keep your word. You never, never lie in this way. Very similar to the ninth commandment that we're going to get you to eventually. Or in Leviticus 12, 20 verse 3. In fact, he, he forbid Israel and said, you may never sacrifice your children to offerings and kill them. You say, why would he need to say that? Because it was happening all the time among the nations. But here's what's interesting. He says, because when you do that, you profane my name. In Deuteronomy 18.20, he says, anybody, he says, if a prophet presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of another god, that same prophet shall die. So you better be careful with my name, throwing my name around. Yeah, God told me to do this in his name. I'm telling you this. Watch out. You're going to die. You will be judged. I will not hold you guiltless who takes my name in vain. Build a heritage for his family, and, and his son would build the temple. And he would continue on the legacy of the Davidic reign in Jerusalem. He said in 2 Samuel 7 that he will build a house you will build a house for my name, and I will establish your throne and your kingdom forever. A house for my name. God was in the process of building a house through his people for his name. A people for his name. Isaiah 42.8 says, I'm the Lord. This is my name. My glory I will give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Isaiah 43 I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, don't withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters to the end of the earth, everyone who has been called by my name. And so much so that in Isaiah, when he's declaring the gospel, saying the good news is going to be declared to you in the mountains, therefore the people shall know my name. Isaiah 50.10 says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord, and rely on him. Psalmist sings, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. 
Psalm 113, 1 through 3, praise the, the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. His name is to be praised. Or Psalm 116, what shall I render to the Lord for all that he has given to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation. I will call on the name of the Lord. Psalm 124, then the flood would have swept us, when the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has given us, given our enemies and broken their teeth. We have escaped like a bird. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let us praise the name of the Lord, for he is commanded and we were created. Lastly, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs in and is safe. So what's in a name? We find in the, New in the Old and the New Testament that the name of God is how God reveals who he is in a very special way. When he says, I want you to know who I am, I'm going to give you my name. And in my name, I'm going to describe who I am. And I want you to revere my name. And it really matters. And you're going let us be people that seek to know the name, his goodness, his promises. Which leads us to the second foundational truth. We bear his name. We bear his name. When I say we, I don't mean every human being in this world. I mean all those that have taken on the name of Christ through baptism, and they were baptized because they believed on his name, and in confessing that he is Lord and Savior. A couple weeks ago, Brandon was up here, and I said, Brandon, who is your Savior and Lord Jesus Christ? I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. I didn't make up that, that, that formula of baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave it to his church at the end, in the end of Matthew 28, when he said, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just think about that for a minute. If you are saved and you are marked by that, that obedience and baptism, you, are, you bear his name. I mean, we, we kind of do when we say we're Christians. We're, we're Christians. We're Christ ones. We have his name upon us. We are, you could say, we are God's people. We are his family. He's our father, and we have his name. Do you think about that? You bear his name. And that really matters. One of the great passages of revival is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name... They must humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. But my people who are called by my name. Oh, Christians, we are people of his name. We bear his name. Today, do you realize today we gather in the name of Jesus? That's 1 Corinthians 5, 4 is language that we could use. When Paul said to the church in Corinth, when you assembled in the name of Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus, and with the power of our Lord Jesus. When you assemble in his name, we're assembling in his name. Not in our own, that means his authority, his power, 
We are, we are doing it as, as name bearers of him. And lastly, I want, I want you to think on this. Number six. You might not be familiar with what's number six unless I say that it's the beginning of this and you go, oh, that's what you say sometimes, Daniel, at the end of your sermon. And we're about to get dismissed and you say, may God, and all God's people said, amen. This is what God told the priest over Israel. He says, will you tell your sons to do this? And when you gather all the people of Israel, the ordinary Israelite, they gather together. You're going to maybe you lift your hands up like this. You're going to be my messenger, and you're going to bless him such. You're going to say this, the Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord make his face shine on you, because if his face doesn't shine on you, you perish. But when his face shines on you, it's life. It's shalom. And the Lord lift up his countenance. This is somewhat poetry, so he's re. He's repeating in a different way. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, his peace, his well-being. And if he does that, it makes all the difference. And if he's absent, it's like, a living, it's like living on an earth where there is no sun anymore. Like literally no sun. You perish instantly. Now, he said that. And after he was to say that, verse 27, Moses instructed and said, So... God said, so shall they put my name on the people of Israel, and I'll bless them. Do you know that God blesses us in a covenant? Israel in a covenant, and us today in Christ's covenant. Bless you and keep you, and not turn away from you, and cause my face to shine on you, and never leave you or forsake you, and I'm going to be your God, and you'll be my people, and I put my Holy Spirit in you, and you're my church. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to do all these things in a covenant. And you say, how do you know I'm going to keep those promises? Look to my son. Look to the meal every week or every time we have communion to remind you that I, I gave my own son. Will I spare anything else for you? And in doing this, I have put my name upon you. And I will bless you. Church. Brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian here, you have his name. That's why Paul then could write in his letters, whatever you do in your words or in deeds, in everything, in your video gaming, in your school, and in your work, in your commutes, your family table talk, in your marriage, whatever you do in church life, in everything, do everything in the name or we could say, because you're in the name, you are a representative, as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through, his, through him. If you are a Christian, you are always saying something about God's name with your lives and with your words and with your actions. That's a sobering thought. If you are a Christian... And if you've marked by his name, you are always saying something with your words, your actions, and your lifestyle about God. So what are you saying? Something truthful or something false? Are you taking his name in vain with your life? Do, do people look at your life and go, boy, if he is the representative of the name of Jesus, Jesus is lazy, Jesus is rude, 
Jesus is really focused on appearances and spiteful. Jesus is generous. Jesus is kind. Jesus is careful. Jesus is thoughtful. Jesus is holy. Jesus loves the Father. Jesus takes the things of God so seriously and always has a view towards forever. We bear his name. With that said, we, we put the third commandment into view. My, my kids bear my name. They name the name of Pat's. And in a, in a secondary way, if they're Christians, they name the name of Jesus. They, in their actions, they reflect on the Pat's name. You and your own family name. But far more important, we reflect the name of God if we are his people. And frankly, we should say, I don't want that responsibility. Oh, yes, you do. You want the privileges and blessings of what it is in Christ. And if he has saved you, he is going to start working in this spiritual engine of love in your heart that goes, he loves me. Praise God. And now I want to show him off to others that they might know his name. So what do we do with the third commandment? Here's, here's two statements. We must avoid the dishonoring of his name with our entire lives. And I'm going to say our actions, surely our words, that's how we often think about it, don't swear, and our thoughts. I, I'm going to go briefly here. We must avoid the dishonoring of his name with our entire lives with these things. And so that should mean that we should be careful to say, I want to make sure there's nothing I do in my words and thoughts and actions, my entire life to displease him in his name. So that would prohibit, because we're name bearers of God and of Jesus Christ and his spirit, his Holy Spirit, that should prohibit using, dishonoring his name through vain words about God and things of God. We should be careful with foolish talk of anything that relates to God. Should not be lazy in our talk. Huh. That means we, we just should not say OMG. And I'm not using this in a vain way. I'm using this instruction. We should not say, oh my God. She just shouldn't because he's so precious and it's just so vain. It's just so, it's just wasted words to usually express probably not a holy thought at the moment. And we should, I mean, that's why my parents taught me, man, you don't say, oh my goodness, even. Uh, they, they, because it's so close, or don't say geez. I'm not saying here, I'm not here to make laws. I'm just saying, that let's get to the spirit and principle. Let's love his name and be careful not to use foolish, casual, careless talk or lazy talk. That's why we just, let's be careful. I think one of the ways of not taking it in vain and in regarding God's name as precious is, Let's go to our meals every day and pray, but let's be careful we're not like, la, 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 la. I mean, I've done this before. It's sad. I take his name in vain. I have, I have actually gathered together, and we were going to pray for something, and I prayed for the meal. We weren't even eating. It's because I was going in autopilot. Empty words. Jesus said, when you pray, don't, don't give vain repetition. I think that was actually even a, a, a vain. The idea of vain means empty or it means the, the use of it being inappropriate or common or even poor or bad, not fitting for use. 
We must avoid dishonoring his name through vain words like this or through hypocritical or phony living. I think one of the greatest ways we take God's name in vain is when we say we're Christians and we don't live like that. And surely this building is full of sinners just like this preacher, but we are repenting sinners. We're humbled sinners. And we're careful to say when we see our sin to repent of it and hear other people bring bring corrective criticism and care in our lives. We need to bear his name. When we, and we bear his name whether we live contrary or not. We need to be careful. Because what are people learning about God by us representatives? And we need to be careful that we don't dishonor his name through breaking our vows, oaths, or promises. Our word matters. The idea of breaking his name would be to make an oath a promise, and not keep it. You just profaned his name because, frankly, it doesn't matter if I say I'm an image bearer. I I represent his name anyways. So, of course, somebody that represents his name should always keep his word. In fact, Psalm 15 says he swears to his own hurt. He makes a promise, and boy, now it's going to hurt to keep it. I'm going to do it. I made a promise. God is truthful. Truthful and keeps his promises. He'll never leave me or forsake me. And so, yeah, I got to trust him that keeping my promise is better, even though it's going to hurt, than than breaking it. Far too often in in churches, in in courtrooms, in divorce courts, in whatever place we break our vows in this culture and breaking the third commandment, we are to people in his name. Or here's another one, through selfish and improper voking his name. We, I should never get before you. We changed our name a couple years ago. I did not go to you and say, God told me to do this. I didn't say, God wants us to change our name from Faith Baptist to Faith Church. That would be a, using his name in vain, because certainly he did not tell me to do that. But we as leaders thought and prayed together and said, I think it would be a good idea. I think God would be pleased through wisdom and understanding, but we want, to, want you to hear. I, I didn't manipulate you and say, in God's name. People do that, and they take his name in vain. Let us be careful not to accredit something that God said when he never said it. And we need to be careful that we don't dishonor his name through rebellious thoughts and attitudes towards God in our hearts. Oh, there are trials and pains that come in our lives. And we will lament and call out to God and cry unto God and in some ways complain unto the God. But we need to be careful with our talk about angry at God or I got to forgive God. Because those things can talk as though I'm in judge over God. I'm wiser than God. There is something that says, God, I don't understand why you're doing this. Oh, Lord, how long? Help me to understand. Help me to trust because right now I'm not. But, oh, let us be careful in our hearts because God sees our hearts that we do not in our hearts take his name in vain. I'm going to bring one last thing on the the dishonoring his name. Do you realize that the history of the church has viewed that one of the ways we dishonor his name is through silence when his name is profaned? I think you could take a broad application and a specific application. The broad would be, I'm seeing brothers and sisters in in my church that are not living for the Lord at all, and I saw it. But it would be too uncomfortable to talk to them. 
I'm in a, in, a, in a sin of omission, not honoring his name, not jealous for his name. I should lovingly, carefully do what the Bible tells me to go to them in love and say, I, I, maybe I don't understand this. Maybe I'm misunderstanding it. We've got to be careful. That's a broad, general way, and we need wisdom in this. And the specific could be your brother or sister says regularly, oh, my God, or uses his name quite clearly in a way that is inappropriate. Are we in the right time, in the right way, going to approach that situation and talk about it? Because we honor his name. Wow, that's a lot of specifics, and that's a lot of nitty-gritty, and I pray that you would not get caught up in the details so much as you would so think in terms of God's name is so precious, he loves you, he's marked you by his name, and let us treasure it. Let's not run around just being cops towards one another. Oh yeah, you used it wrong. Name, let's not be name police, but let us be name lovers, and let's revere the name of the Lord. So, what, what's the positive? And this, we must prioritize the hallowing of his name with our entire lives, our actions, our words, and our thoughts. What is the first petition of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven. Oh God, your name. And by that, Jesus taught us that the first primary priority of the church is to be a people that are about his name and we hallow it. To hallow means to lift it high, to honor it with dignity and respect and care. And so, let us do that. Let us pray for that. In fact, that should, it starts by us getting on our knees saying, God, I know that I don't hallow your name enough. I dishonor it. I even just being careless. I haven't been thoughtful about this. Oh, God, forgive me. And he does. And we say, oh, God, help me to treasure and make most precious your name with my life and with my words and with my attitudes. When others see me, I pray that they would see that you were good, not me. Help it to not be about my name, but your name. I just wrote some things in closing about this. So let us talk with great honor and dignity of his name. So let us listen carefully when the word is preached and read. Oh, hey, the word's being read. That's really good. That's really precious. And thanks be to God. And let us pray most reverently with care. Let's not be lazy in our prayers. Let us humble ourselves and be real. And let us seek forgiveness and humbly confess our need to grow in our testimony as Christians. Christians are not perfect name bearers, but they, they're repenting name bearers. In, front of, in fact, that's one of the ways in which we can reflect the grace that Christ has done in our lives is we're humble and repent and we confess our sins. And let us be careful with our word because our word is our, our bond. It is, we reflect someone else. We're going to see more of that in the ninth commandment. But all our promises are to assume, anything we say when we say we're going to do something assumes that God is our witness. In fact, just a minute, we're going to talk about our church covenant. God was our witness. It says before God, we promise to give to the church. We promise to give our prayers to the church, our money to the church, our care to the church, our love to the church members, and a commitment to forgive and care. We, we, it, it literally is in the verbiage at the beginning, before God and others, we make this covenant. And let us cry out to God when we're suffering 
But let us not curse God like Job's wife. Let us not be like a judge of his character, even in our hearts. Because who among us could be his counselor? And yet let us run to him for help. Let us not be silent when we see his name dishonored, especially with those who name the name of the Lord. Let us be gracious. Let us be wise with our words. But let us be courageous with the zeal of the name of God. If you're visiting, or if you're just here, and you, you've always thought yourself as a brother and sister, but maybe you have never truly been saved. Let me say this. There is salvation in no other name. No other name For there is no name, no other name under heaven given among men by whom you can be saved. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. How could God be absolutely forgiving and gracious and long-suffering and merciful and also not allow the guilty to go unpunished? His son. He crucified his son. He killed his son for us and raised him from the dead. And sat him at the right hand of God so that all who bow the knee to him, realizing they need a savior, and realize he's the only savior and, he's their, he, and they bow knee to him, he becomes their Lord and savior and their salvation. And we become God's children. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That name is precious to us. Because I called on the name and he saved me. Or someday, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the praise of the glory of the Father. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's a fortress. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. That's a picture of the gospel. The name of the Lord is revealed in Jesus Christ. Those who see their need, they're not righteous in themselves, but they run to him and are safe. Oh, we are a people marked by his name. Let us love his name. Let's reflect his name. If this sermon, especially the dishonoring of his name, beats us up, let's be healed by confession of our sins, specific confessions to God, and he forgives you if you confess in Jesus' name. More than that, he gives you the power to help you obey him and cherish his name so that this isn't like some, this is not just some burdensome law, but it is, I bear his name. What a glory, what a responsibility, what a grace. The name that saved me and marked me and blessed me and is a strong tower that I run into. I'm going to invite the worship team to come and we're going to sing. Father, I pray that we would now sing of your name. Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory, and I pray that we would love that name. We would love you, God. And, oh, God, bring your people to you and bring those who are not yet a people that they may trust in you in Jesus' name.